the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Slash visit Greenbelt. Capital Your is a division of Lancaster Bible College. would like to take time out to wish their employees, customers, and listeners a safe and happy holiday season by reminding all drivers to drive safely. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Stay alive. This message courtesy of April and the staff at Truth Technology and Bowie, your virtualization and collaboration specialists. For installation service and repair of keycard access systems, call Truth Technology at 240-324-8089. They're wishing everyone happy holidays. Life-changing talk radio. Worldwide at WAVA.com. You're listening to 105.1 FM. WAVA. Life-changing talk radio. Worldwide at WAVA.com. You're listening to 105.1 FM. WAVA. Life-changing talk radio. You're listening to 105.1 FM. WAVA. The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the word overflow. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are real people with real lives experiencing real change. Please visit us at gracechurchva.org to find this message and more about grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer. God bless you. Y'all are looking good this Sunday. It's good to see the house absolutely packed out. You guys are serious about starting this year right. John chapter 11, verse 1. Father, we thank you for this time of study, this time of digging into the scriptures and mining it for the gold. Jesus, speak to our hearts, open our eyes, and we will remember to give you all the glory because you are the King of kings. And Lord of Lords, and we honor you with our very lives. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. We are in a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it's always going to be very different. John begins by making sure we understand that this is not a folktale. This is not some narrative that was some metaphor, but it really didn't happen. When John wrote this, it was uh, at a time that all these facts could be verified. And I want you to notice the specificity that he used, the detail that he uses throughout before he even gets to the main crisis and point. John says, now a certain man. Again, he, he, he's very specific. This was an individual that was a real person, lived in a real place, and had a real problem. He said, this certain person was sick. 
Obviously, a deadly disease had uh, gripped him. In a few moments, we'll see that he was in the fight of his life, but he was losing. And his name was Lazarus. He was a Bethany. We know he's a male. We know he was sick. We know his name. Now we know his, his town. But then John gets even more explicit, and he starts to list Lazarus's family members. He said, Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister. Again, John is taking extreme pain to make sure that we understand that this narrative is literal. Lazarus was 100% real, and he was also about to be 100% dead. He continues, it was that Mary, as if he had not already said enough. John continues by identifying and describing Lazarus's most famous sibling. He said, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with expensive fragrant oil. Now, Mary is uh, and was the epitome of the way God wants us to worship in the New Testament. And we see the model here. Number one, first thing she did is she brought to Jesus something of extreme value. She wouldn't give to God that which cost her nothing, a lot like David. Then it says, and she wiped his feet. Number two, no ministry to the Lord's body was, was too low for her. Though she worshiped God with great resources and, and the world still celebrates uh, her wealth and how she laid it at Christ's feet, she didn't get a big head. She continued to, to worship God in the small places. It says she wiped her feet not with just anything. She didn't reach a clean, for a Kleenex or even a towel. It says she wiped his feet with her what? Hair. Now, in the Bible, what does a woman's hair represent? Yeah. In Scripture, it represents glory. Number three, Mary gave God all her glory, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, Mary was a tremendous worshiper. Mary probably followed Jesus to most of his meetings and watched many of the miracles. She was in church, if you will, every Sunday. But what we see here is she still faced real-world problems. In this life, no one, I don't care if you are the pope, I don't care if you're the bishop, elect, archbishop, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are the greatest worship. I don't care if you are the strongest prayer warrior. I don't care if you memorize the entire Bible. No one would live a life totally immune to problems. Not even the greatest worshiper. And we see that here. Therefore, the sisters, plural, both of them, sent to him. Now, it's good when, when you're in a trial to have someone to pray with you and someone to pull with you. But I want you to pay attention to, to how these sisters prayed, what they said to the Lord. They said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, if you want the results these women got, you got to do what these women did. Here's the key to getting impossible prayers answered. These women still confess Jesus' love, even though they were facing misfortune. Can you still believe God loves you, even when everything in your life screams otherwise? Can you still say, God, I know you love me. I don't understand what's happening, but, but I still believe. And when they said this, we're about to, to discover something. When Jesus heard that, man, when they said this to Jesus, it was like 
your two little girls putting their hand in, in your hand and, and, and with those big brown eyes looking at you with, with those, those big brown eyes saying, Daddy, I, 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 I know you're going to take care of everything. I, I, I trust you. I, I know you got it. And, I mean, it's absolutely, you just melt when such trust is demonstrated in the midst of difficulty. So here Jesus is. His daughters come and say, I, I still believe you, you love me, even though some bad things have happened. And what this statement did was actually release a word over their situation. And this is how he responded. This sickness is not unto death. When they expressed their faith in God's love, God released a word. The heavens opened up and God spoke into their situation. You want God to speak? Continue to trust his love. In the midst of misfortune, though somebody in your family may have passed away, though you may have family problems, in the midst of it, they said, Lord, I know you love us. And then God couldn't help but melt in the face of such trust. The NIV translates this a little bit differently. It says this, this sickness will not end God's very specific about what he says. The sickness will not end in death. And what he was saying to the girls, he was saying the crisis will not end in it, but you will have to go through it. And there are many times in my life I'd like God to make me go around it. I wish God would give me a shovel big enough so I could dig under it or drop down a helicopter to fly me over it. But here, Jesus requires that they go to it. You see, we can ask, and God invites us to ask what we want. But remember, God also can do what he wants and answer how he wants. God remains God at all times. He said, this sickness will not end in death. Watch this. But for the glory of God. When I first read that, I felt like Jesus cursed. Why would you talk about somebody's pain, someone's family misfortune? How could you talk about someone going through the, 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 the fever and, and the chills and say, somehow you're going to use it for glory? But Jesus, being God, said, I know something you don't. This sickness... It's not meant to kill you like it might feel like, but it's for the glory of God. Here's something I want you to know. What you went through last year might not be all about you. The reason they went through it was for God's glory. And some seasons in your life, as much as we want to be in the middle of it, in the center of it, aren't always about us. But sometimes there's higher calculus involved. There's deeper calculations in God's mind. And he recognized that this momentary affliction doesn't compare to the glory that's on the other side. You see, I, I discovered in my life, when I'm in the middle of the lesson, God is quiet. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. And it's when he starts speaking and explaining, that's how I know the test is over. And it's like that in school. You know, you, you, you take an exam, and you know, you know you're taking a test when the teacher's what? 
silent. He's quiet. But then when the test is over, you can bring up your answer to say, well, well, professor, you know, why did I get this wrong? Can you show me how to do that? And, and you know the test is over because the teacher is now talking. In a minute, that's going to make more sense to you. And then he digs in here. He doesn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't like what he first said. And then he says it another way, lest I missed it the first time. That the Son of God may be glorified, what? Through, there's that word through it again. God, take me around it, take me over, take me under it. But Jesus said, this glory, the type of glory I'm talking about, only comes if you go through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But here's this word glory. We all know, we, we, we're students of Scripture, that the word, word glory literally means doxa. It means weight. And what Jesus was saying here to the disciples is that lightweight problems are for lightweight people. (laughs) And he's saying, Mary and Martha, when it came time for God to move you to, to, to a heavyweight spiritual class, God had to let you face some heavyweight spiritual opposition. So sometimes the opposition in front of you is an indication that promotion's on the other side. Stay with me. I'm cutting you open, but I'll sew you up by the time it's over. (laughs) Now, Jesus, he keeps repeating this. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This looks like a contradiction. Jesus, if you love me, why am I in this crisis? If you love me, why, why, why do I have fever right now? Jesus, if you love me, why am I at death's door? If you love me, why did that happen to my brother? If you love me, why is this, this, this thing in my family? And many of us ask questions much like that. So when he heard that he was sick, watch what Jesus did. He said, deuces. He stayed two more days, two more days in the place he was. You ever been in a situation I'm like, God, how could you be at peace? If you knew what was going on in my life, man, you, 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 you'd fall off the throne. You, you, you'd have some type of fit. But he's like, peace, I got this. Deuces, two more days. Two more days. If Jesus loved these three, why was he so far away when they needed him? Remember what I said? The teacher's always quiet during the test. Many of you in 2015, you went through a season of quiet. You just didn't hear what you, you thought you were hearing. Things that you thought should happen didn't happen. But the teacher is quiet during the test. But today, again, I'm here to inform you the test is over. Because God is now flipping the page over, giving you the answers, explaining the things that you wouldn't otherwise know. Then after this, he said this to his disciples. Let us go to Judea again. Jesus just told them everything was going to be okay. But then he went in the opposite direction. Why? Because the disciples had to learn the same thing you had to learn in this passing year. A word from God is just as powerful as a personal visit from him. You see, you wanted to feel it. You wanted to quiver and to shake. But, you know, God said, I want an instrumented rated pilot. You know, one of the Kennedy boys, I don't know how true this is, and someone might, you know, send me an email and say I was wrong, but I read an article, and this is a fact. What they stated was when he was trying to fly over, I think it was the Long Island Sound, he was around in that area. 
He was not instrument rated yet, meaning he had to look out of his window to determine, you know, where to go. An instrument rated pilot, and by the way, in order to fly, you know, world-class carriers, you have to become instrument rated. And an instrument rated pilot is a, is a pilot that doesn't have to fly with his eyes or her eyes. They just fly looking at what the gauges say, what the indicators say. And when you become instrument rated, you can't look with your eyes anymore. You, you, you can't always hear what you hear. Because what happens in a plane is something called vertigo. When it starts shaking too much, up starts feeling like down, down starts feeling like up, left starts feeling like right, and you can't trust your senses. So if you're going to make it through a storm or if you're a, 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 a pilot in battle, you got to learn to trust the panel. And many of us, you wanted a feeling, you wanted to fly by sight. You wanted to fly by ear. But God said, no, no, you're going to fly by my word this year. You're going to trust what I said in my book. You're going to take a look at what the panel says and trust it. And when I say right, you go right. When I say left, you go left. When I say dip, you dip. When I say dive, you die. You just do what I say because I said it, not because you feel it. Because God's word is the same as his presence. And there are times I literally feel like hell, but I got God's word. And many of you, when you feel like hell, that's exactly what you do. Go to hell. And you just walk away from everything. But God wanted to teach you that you could trust me. You don't have to feel a shiver. There doesn't have to be a quiver. Just take me at my word. So Jesus said, I'm not going. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And y'all just trust what I said. Skip to 11. After he said that to them, he said, uh, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now, Jesus said that this crisis would not end in death, but watch this. From that point on, he only uses the vocabulary of recovery. Once God releases his word, you need everything you say needs to line up with what you believe God has said. Everything lines up with recovery. And we got to learn from this. Faith is calling things that are not as though they were. And this is what Jesus did. Lazarus was dead, but he called this sleep. What you call a thing in the midst of the thing will determine the end of your thing. Stay with me. Then the disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. They walked with Jesus three years and still didn't get him at all. However, meaning, you know, what they said was not right. Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and, and sleep. The point was, and what Jesus was trying to communicate, is he wasn't denying that death was real, just like sleep is real. Lazarus' death was real. What you went through in 2015 was real. What, what, what happened in your home was real. What happened on your job was real. What happened in your mind and your emotions was real. God doesn't say pretend it's not real. But what Jesus does say is it's not permanent. Did you catch that? Sleeping people can wake up. If you're sleeping, that means you can arise. 
So he did not deny the facts. He was just speaking of a state which can change and have an end. But because they didn't understand, Jesus had to come down to their level and speak plainly. He, he, he didn't want to talk to them like this, but he had to because they were getting everything mixed up. And he said, Lazarus is dead. Faith is not denying facts. It's not. It's believing in spite of them. That's what faith is. Watch 15. He said, I am glad. At first glance, it looks like Jesus is a little bit sadistic. That Jesus is like into pain somehow. But here's a question. How can you be happy about the death of someone you say you love? How could someone that loves you say they're glad? He said, I, I, I am glad. He's about to say he was glad that, that he wasn't there. Why? How could Jesus be glad in the midst of death? See, what God does is he weighs our present struggles against the future benefits. And he does all the calculus. And he knows on balance all of these things are working together for the good. And if we just hang in there, that temporary thing will not, man, in comparison to what God has on the other side, it begins to pale in comparison. If you suffered for all 80 years of your life, went through hell, I mean, just, I mean, just tormented and tortured all your life, it will not even be able to cast a shadow on the goodness that God has for you on the other side of the grave. Do you understand what I'm saying? The devil cannot outdo God. You're quiet because you're thinking, but this is shouting ground. He said, I'm glad guy's dead. I'm glad huh? there's some things in my life that happened. I was like, Lord, you should be crying. Lord, you, you failed at your job. He's like, I'm glad for your sake. Whose sake? Everything Jesus does is for our sake. What happened to Lazarus happened for his sake. This is tough stuff we're looking at. He said, I'm glad for your sakes I was not there. It appears that Jesus' bodily presence had some serious drawbacks. You see, the problem was people couldn't die in the immediate presence of life itself. I mean, this, this is life so bright, you know, he touched a dead person, boom. You know, no one could die. That's so when we go to, to, to heaven and, and we don't even need the sun or the moon because the lamb and, and, and God light the whole place. I mean, they can be, such life, the whole place. Sickness not even going to try. Weariness and, and, and sorrow not even going to try. I mean, it's in, in the presence of life brighter than the sun, people couldn't die. So watch what Jesus did. He stayed away a few days to let some things happen. And some of us are so in love with the anointing that, 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 that we end up getting disappointed in ways we shouldn't. We want the anointing to fix everything. But every now and then, that anointing lifts. I can't explain it, but it does. And it goes away sometimes. I mean, God's presence and his word is real. But you can't feel it the same way. But he does it so his disciples can grow in faith. They, they needed to simply believe his word. He was about to go to heaven. They were going to kill him. If they didn't learn to believe him, his word, you know, while he was there, what were they going to do when he was gone? So he has to mature their faith. He said, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. But watch this. 
This lets you know that I'm not just making up what I'm saying. That you may believe. Meaning the intention of him not going was to develop. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus did not just want the disciples to believe in a healer. He wanted the disciples to believe in a Jesus who could conquer any obstacle, including death itself. The problem was the disciples had a a, a too small view of the master. And sometimes we have a too small view of God. So in his wisdom, certain things happen. So, So we have an opportunity to stretch our faith, to tap into a God bigger than we ever imagined and sometimes bigger than we ever wanted. Nevertheless, he said, he didn't abandon them. Just because God delayed does not mean he denied. He didn't abandon them, he just waited. I gave you the definition of patience on New Year's Eve. The definition of patience is basically waiting on God's timing. And Jesus waited on the timing of the Father. And the Father loved all three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But the timing of the Father said, I'm going to let you go through some things before I show you the other side. Nevertheless, let us go to him. He may not come when you want him. Then Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas was brave, but he was on a completely different wavelength as as he And there are times that I I have tried to have a stiff upper lip and just try to be brave through it, and there's a place for that. But ultimately, God wanted me to be victorious over it. And this was the case here. So when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb for four days. Now, the rabbis taught at this period in, in history that, that the spirit of the deceased waited around the body for three days. And maybe that was, you know, they wanted to explain why some people went into a coma before they died. And I don't really know why they, they came up with this. But that was the traditional thought. That's what people thought. So Jesus waited to the fourth day for a reason. He didn't want anyone to think this was a resuscitation. He wanted a pure resurrection. Sometimes the miracle we want is not big enough yet. Did anyone hear what I just said? Your miracle's just big enough for a little God. So God said, I, you know, in my ways, I'm going to wait just a little bit. So when I show up, you know it had to be. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big. Do- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.